2: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
3: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the NFL Player Second Acts podcast. I'm Pina Tillman. And as always, I got my guy, my uncle, Roman. Harper with us today. What's up? What up, Unc?
4: I'm doing good, man. Uh, obviously, we are um, a, a Southern family because uh, anytime the uncle is younger than the the nephew, uh, it's it's a little bit uh, unique situation. So I always think that of us when we see each other. Yeah. And I, I feel good because our guest today uh, shares a little bit of something with me in common. Not only did he play in the SEC, but he's also uh, a Silver Fox himself. So I, I'm kind of proud of that. And uh, we both rock it proudly and uniquely and beautifully as well. So uh, before we jump into it and you introduce our our uh, our guest today, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. I want to ask you to continue to spread the word, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, give us a rating, a review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. So Peanut, with all due respect, go ahead, my
3: man. Go ahead and kick us off with this one. So uh, let me list these accolades of this. Uh, There's plenty of them. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know Roman numerals, but he won the Super Bowl when he was in L.A. <laughs> He's a 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year, four-time Pro Bowler, uh, won the 2003 BCS National Championship with LSU, drafted by the Bengals in 06 in the second round, retired from the Rams uh, in 2021. Can y'all please show some love? For Andrew Whitworth,
5: what's up, fellas? Appreciate that. Appreciate that.
3: Well, let's go ahead and let's talk about those accolades, and then, I'll, then we'll okay, okay. Up. So you won three back to back, took a year off, and then won it again. You won three national, or excuse me, three high school championships in football, right? Yep. Do y'all get y'all got rings in Louisiana? Oh yeah. We got rings. Okay. (laughs) Hey, Monroe's real dog. Like where he's at in Monroe. They they play some real ball. It's a lot of guys that they put out. Did you win a state championship in tennis? No, that is a great question though. (laughs) So
5: it's actually a fantastic story. I, I was at LSU and, you know, you're going through the process of sports directors like, hey, we need to like keep pubbing you up for how well you're playing. We're going to try and get you on the All-American team, get national uh-huh. attention. So let's name some things you've done, like, you know, before you got here. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I won a high school state championship football. I won the 5A state championship in powerlifting uh, in the heavyweight class. So, like, we're naming that. And then he's like, any other things you won as a kid, like baseball, like, did you go to the World Series or anything? I was like, well, I did. You know, we went to the state title game in baseball when I was 12 and I won like a tennis deal when I was 11 or 10. So that starts that year. This is like my sophomore year in college. By the time I got to the draft, like I'm going with scouts and they're like, man, so what year was it that you won the high school championship in tennis? I'm like, what? Like I, I won like the local, like you get a little Caesars slice of pizza. If you're the one that beats the other kid camp in tennis, like I ain't win anything that, that carries a trophy. So it's carried on throughout my oh, wow. career. I always get asked about it. And it's hilarious because it literally came from like a two minute conversation of stuff you've done as a kid. And it has lived its own life throughout my career.
3: Man, just go with it. Just go with it. Just like, yeah. I'm just like the white 300 pound male version of Serena and Venus combined. Like that's, that's, just, that's just who I am. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm that real. We were literally talking before. I'm like, how's he running around dominating people at, Close to
4: 300 pounds. I couldn't imagine it. I'm like, how is this even possible? like How hard now, is now? It I serve? can play
5: tennis, but I ain't like that. I promise you that. I'm, I'm a lefty. I grew up being an Andre Agassi fan. I had me a mm. Wild Thing racket when I was little, but uh you know, I was a big fan of the game. But no, I was never good enough to win it in high school. That's for sure.
3: Pickleball is my sport.
5: There we yeah. go.
4: See, I'm so a golfer
5: though. You know,
4: d- he is a golfer now. Uh, most people do not know this. I don't even know if if with. Remembers this, but the first time I met Andrew Whitworth was at in Arizona. We were both selected to be Playboy All-Americans going into our senior year in two thousand five, and that was the first time I met this large human being. And I just randomly was walking around the whole place, and he was out at the driving range hitting bombs on the driving range. And I and he's the first one that really got me to like, you know, what I should maybe start to pick up golf a little bit. And I hung out with him, and we actually got really cool. At that yep. point in time, talking way back when we both were seniors in college. And so I know he can golf. I know he can do all these other things. So I, I just think it's awesome that uh, that you were able to accomplish that. So also, you were also a Playboy All-American as well. So 2005, great class. Just, You know, Just want to shout us all oh, out, yeah. out there. Yep, and, uh, for sure. Now, with I want to start off with this just a little bit, because I'm sitting here with two of the guys that won One of the biggest accolades that I believe the NFL gives out, which is the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And, you know, we see that you got a lot of recognition. The longer you played, it was like, man, we really love this guy and we appreciate you more and more. And we were able to give you your flowers before you retired. And could you talk about how special that award is? Because I know Peanut was also a person that won the Walter Payton Man of the Year. You also won it. I did not. And I've won many other accolades. But that one alone is such a special deal. Could you maybe just give us a little bit of insight into that?
5: Yeah, I just think when you when you think about that award and what it stands for, um, it was even tough to go through the process of being nominated for it and then be up for it because it's kind of hard to be like, you know what, like, I I'm, i mean, I'm getting acknowledged for this and it's great. And I think it's wonderful, but I'm looking across the league at the other 31 nominees and I'm like, wow, like so much respect for yeah. everything they do. And it almost every year I got nominated, it was like, man, invigorating to be like, man, all right, I love the I love the guys that I play a sport with, man, their passion for people. Um, Because that's one thing I just, to me, that's what life's all about. And so going through that, really, for me, it was more of a reflection and a reminiscent of over my career, just the impacts of people and communities and the special moments I've had of realizing not only just the impact that I was able to have on them, but more importantly to me, the impact they had on me and and that it gave me, uh, you know, a passion and a purpose to play football, not just for sports, not just for, you know, success I'd want to have on the field, but you know what? I it created opportunities for me to go impact people off of it, and so I think that's one of the things I'm most grateful for—the opportunity to play in the NFL. For is, I've had some really cool opportunities and a lot of growth as me as a person. And so, standing up there on that stage, as y'all know, I mean, offensive lineman—you, you, you know, my my level of media experience leading up to that moment uh, was like the local registry, you know, college kid who's got a tape recorder. You know, I don't get a lot of press conferences and podiums, so I was a pretty nervous when I walked up there, but. I tell you what after I watched the video and just thought about the the moment and where I was it was yeah. like man I'm just I'm just going to tell a story about you know what what I think so impactful to to me and what I think so important in life and uh it was a really special moment for me and my family for sure
0: okay so tell. it was very it was yeah.
3: uh I I think it was it was very natural you know the story that you told I I, I think people could resonate with with that and again congratulations it's it's one of my if not my greatest accomplishment while playing, you know, mm-hmm. winning that award, it means it, it definitely means a lot. Especially being in Chicago, being from Chicago, yeah, yep. little, a little bit sweeter.
5: Yeah, yeah. And and it, I think I think even looking at my situation, like I, I thought it was what was really cool was in that little couple minutes they give you. Yeah, you're telling this story about Derek Barnes and and really how cool that interaction was. But mm-hmm. I think what was hard to paint the picture of is like I think people walked away from it like, oh man, this impact you had on Derek Barnes, and it was like I, I wanted to make sure. People understood it was the impact he had on me as well. I was a right. rookie in the NFL. I was in the Midwest, somewhere I'd never been. I was lonely, uh, trying to figure out who the heck I'm going to be as a person. Mm-hmm. And this young six, seven, eight year old kid was my buddy that, like, we hung out and threw the football and chilled That's at the Boys dope. and Girls Club. And, yeah. Yeah. like, he was as much there for me as anything I was there for him. So, to happen in my last year before I retired, I thought it was just such a cool story to tell because it was a great moment in my career that it's like, wow, think back to who you were 16 years ago and where you at and where you stand right now.
4: No, yeah, but the people that you impact on a day-to-day basis, you never know. You just yep. never know never who know. you can influence, who's watching you. And, and that's really the true definition of what character is. Um, and, and so you got that award literally your last year playing. And so at what point in your NFL career did you ever uh, begin flirting with the idea of retiring? I mean, you played 16 years, so you had a long time to think about this.
5: Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like, do you count the years that it seemed like every sports reporter is like trying to put it in your head that you probably should retire? Or it's like you've entered the age. It's like I can remember at some point it's like, I, I'm not bringing this up. Y'all are bringing this up, like you know, like, <laughs> you know, is this it? Is this the last year? Is it, You know, it's like they'd ask you those questions. And you'd go through those seasons where you'd ponder it. And then a lot of the times I would think about, hey, you know what? Like, did I come up with this idea? Or is this more like, hey, because you've reached a certain age or because you're at a certain experience level, that's just the narrative people want to talk about. And so I think for me, it was just continuing to be like, you know what? Do I feel good? Um, Do I feel like I still have the passion to play this game? And then at some point it became at my age because I was an older player coming into the league. Yep. It was like, man, the mentorship, the brotherhood, my little brothers, you know, uh-huh. a lot of them called me uncle. Uh, a couple at the end called me grandpa, which is really offensive. But <laughs> the gray, you know, so it's like boxes
3: you guys have.
5: Yeah. It <laughs> just, You know, it started to be like, hey you know what the impact I get to have with these guys every year is so Mm -hmm. much fun too. Like it was like, I'm chasing playing because I just love the bond. I love the brotherhood. I love being able to be there for a guy when he has his first kid or he's getting married or he wants to know about, you know, this next life step he's going through with his mom or his family or whatever. And so those kind of moments are things I'll remember almost as much as anything I did on the field.
3: Yeah, that's cool. So after retiring, you got into broadcasting right away. I, I was, that was something that I did as well. You know, I retired, I took like, I don't know, maybe the off season couple months off. And then I I I started to I got into broadcasting right away. And Rome and I, we talk about this often where when Rome retired, he took exactly three hundred and sixty-five days off of doing nothing, of just hanging out, kids, fam, just whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. A and, lot of shopping
4: time with the wifey during the day. We, yeah. A lot you know, of it. lunches. Yeah, we did a lot of that. We did a lot of that.
3: And I always say, if I could go back and do it again, I probably would have took a year off and just did nothing because that's probably the one, I probably said that was probably my big mistake is just taking a year off and not doing nothing, trying to get right back into just doing something right after retiring. So my question to you is, what have your experiences been like? Just getting right into football, just um, excuse me, getting right into broadcasting, having no time off.
5: You know, I think it it was my first year was uh, pretty crazy to have like now kind of sit here and enjoy a little bit of yeah. being retired. has been nice now that the season's over. and right. I'm kind of yeah. sitting still. But <laughs> like I remember being at some point in like October, November, like I'm having a blast doing this. Like this is fun traveling. But I'm like, man, I don't even know what's happened the last six months. Like right. I have no idea where it's gone or what happened. I thought I was going to have all this free time. And I feel like I just go from one thing to the other every second. And I tell people this all the time, too, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. You forget, too, football was kind of your excuse to get out of things, too. Like, hey, like, I want you to come to this. Ah, you know what? Actually, like, we got to practice or I got OTAs or I got whatever. And now you have no excuse to say no. You better know the word no. (laughs) <laughs> because if you don't, you're going to be busy all the time, because they're like, no, you're not playing no more, so you can come to this event, or you can come to this thing, and you're like, oh man, crap, I don't have an excuse, so yeah, I think my year got pretty crazy, it did, I was agreeing to anything, and everything is like, oh, I'm retired, I want to go play in, you know, Larry Fitzgerald's golf tournament, or I want to go play in this, and then before I knew it, I was like, man, I'm, I'm here Monday, there Thursday, this place Sunday, like, uh-oh, Like, what did I get myself into? But no, I mean, getting into the broadcast part, I think, is probably the most enjoyable part of everything. Mm -hmm. It's it's been a lot of fun. I would say that and coaching my kids sports has been the two things that like have been an absolute blast. And my wife's enjoyed it, too, just to get to have me around so much. And so it's uh, that part's been really fun.
4: All right. Number one, what sports are your kids playing? And then number two. I want you to kind of take me through some of the challenges. Uh, you know, you talked about you, you really didn't do any big media press conferences. You're old so You're not getting a whole bunch of cameras in your face week after week. No love, o line. So, no, no love. And, and, and so now you're. I mean, you're prime time. You're right there on Thursday Night Footballs. So you're right there with Amazon. It's a great path. It's a great crew too. I, I really enjoy you guys. And is it safe to say that you're kind of a trailblazer? You are. Not, you're not the only one because Joe Thomas was up there too. So you two guys are leading the way for you big guys on the t- television screen right now?
5: Yeah, I tell you, uh, for the kids, uh, you know, we're a little bit everywhere. I mean, the boys probably play uh, almost all the three majors. I'd say basketball, football, baseball. They, they're doing all that. Um, you know, I've had one of them mess around a little bit, wanting to play some golf, but he he, he didn't want to do that. He's, he likes hooping too much. So, uh, you know, they they play those. My daughter, Sarah, is a volleyball player. I'm trying to get her on the basketball court. She's tall and lean, and uh, but she enjoys volleyball right now. And then uh, my youngest daughter, Catherine, who's eight, uh, just started basketball. So I'm excited about her. She's having a blast. Uh, that's, that was always my favorite sport growing up and oh. something I still did when I played. I kept the court. You know, I had a little half court at my house and had little, you know, your little old men leagues. You know, <laughs> uh, I had specific rules, though, at my size because the general guys didn't like me down the paint. So I had to, I had to shoot from the outside. But, uh, you, you know, I, it, that's, our, that's hilarious. Nice chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. Thing. And, and see, I, I out in the paint. So and,
4: and see, that's the guy that I don't like. I'm like, why is the big guy always trying to bring the ball up? You I'll take your shirt off, you've been just sweating guard. the whole
3: time, just dunking, dribbling. Come on, yeah. Man, I'd have that. been just shirt off, sweat, dripping. I've been get bagging it up, getting in. Oh my come on, y'all. It's, I'd have been Yo, the guy they would have hated to play against. Yo, so oh, I'd yeah, they hated me.
5: There ain't no doubt about that. But, you know, so that that part was fun. But, yeah, as far as the, you know, being on Thursday night football and really the challenges, I think it has been a lot of fun. And I think for me, I do think of it that way. Like, as an offensive lineman, you you don't have a lot of voice uh, in the league when it comes to, like, press conferences and media stuff. I think that's why it's so cool to see right now Jason Kelsey, you know, Joe Thomas, you know, uh, you've had O'Hare. you had some guys that, you know, have been out there. But it's like get to see those guys really spreading out who they are. Taylor Lewan, like, you know, guys who it's like, regardless of like their personalities and who you like and don't like actually having a personality and showing it because I think in the offensive line room especially and you guys know this you've played long enough like that was kind of always a room where it's like be quiet do your job and that's kind of how the they were taught like you brought in young linemen it's like don't say a word don't speak just block you know like that yeah. kind of thing and to see now that there's a little bit of these guys showing who they really are and, and having a personality and talking about what they enjoy and they're passionate about. I love being on the side of not being the trailblazer, but mm-hmm. changing that narrative and for yeah, all I those guys. Because, you can say it. You, say it. you trailblazer. Yeah, I so play. I enjoy that, man. You know, but it's funny. Like, even when you go through these meetings, like, I met with agents that talk about media, right? They would say stuff that I used to just get so fired. Like, they'd be like, well, <laughs> somebody could hire you, and, like, you could talk about an alignment. And I'm like, bro, like, I, I don't know if y'all understand. <laughs> when it comes to football, that. like <laughs> – Offensive linemen have to know so much more than how to block somebody to even be good at what they do. So, like, to think that that was even what your own agent might think is like, oh, man, you could talk about a lineman blocking people. And I'm like, bro, I could talk about anything in this game. (laughs) You know, know, so I think you have to be an intelligent guy to play that position and also have a great concept of the game. And how it moves and motions and, and coverages and how they rotate and like to understand how to pick all those things up. You better know how the defense dances. Yep. And so I got to know how the offense, what our plan is, and I got to know what the defense, how they're going to dance to it. And and so you know that you can watch tape and understand those things from a much bigger complex than just your job. So it's been fun to have a chance to do that and get to do it with Sherm and Fitz and Tony and Carissa, all people who are just such special personalities in their yeah. own, in their own right. Uh, it's been a blast. I'll tell you that. that the biggest surprise to me, I didn't know I'd love it and have so much fun. I mean, I, I have had an absolute blast doing it.
3: That's the best thing about it. So I didn't really watch a ton of football when I played. I didn't watch Monday night football, Sunday night football, because we sit in the meeting room all day in a dark room and you just watch the, the wide angle of plays all day long. So when I retired, I watched more football than I ever have in my life, which I didn't think I would do. So being retired, do you, do you do you feel more connected to the game just because you're doing the analyst thing or do you just did you think you weren't going to be watching that much football after being retired?
5: Peanut, I got to tell you, I, I'm in the same boat. I don't know if I watched a single game when I played. Like, I don't, I don't think I. Watched Are you serious? It, <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't have to do with my position and who it I was, was playing.
3: Like, I Do it too much. Yeah,
5: I wasn't watching it, and now I feel like it's like a like I can't not watch every single game. I'm like, bro, I got to see every game, every snap. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. Like, get out of the room. Like, I'm watching everything. Um, it, it's crazy. Like, I even got to the point this past season, and where I really like, realized how much it changed for me. It's like the Rams would invite, like, hey, why don't you come to this game or it'd be cool to come to this game or i cool talk to Sean or Stafford or something be like, hey, you're going to come this weekend? And it's like, I don't think I, I, I might miss one of the games, like, on the East Coast or something. So, <laughs> I actually, you know what, I'm going to sit at home, but I'll watch. Like, but I'm going to watch all the games. I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't go nowhere on Sunday because I was right, like,
3: right. I got to see every game, every snap. I want to watch it all. That's funny. So, your first training camp that you didn't report to, After you retired. I know mine was, it it was for me, it was weird because I was like, damn, I'm normally running. I'm in shape. I'm lifting. I'm running. I'm trying to get everything right. I, you know, I I, I pack my bag. I'm gone for two, three weeks. What was that like not going to a training camp after 16 season? Did it, did you miss it? Was it, was it like, damn, I just, something was off. How was that?
5: I felt like I played up until the meter read in, So when I, when I, when I got done and walked off that field after the super bowl, um, I felt like that was everything I'd had left. I mean, you know, and part of that may be because in my career, I was really blessed with like being very, very healthy for the most part. I mean, things but nothing that you'd say arm oh, and is going to hinder your career and then the last really like two years of my career i had the torn pcl and mcl i had mm-hmm. come back from i had a pretty significant knee deal that went on a hip injury so it was like all right it's kind of getting to be grueling to show up every day and go through this and i was i really like from a body standpoint of feeling good enough to play i felt fine but it started to be frustrating to just get sunday to sunday and, and i started losing the fun of that chase of like chasing my job all the time and yeah. so that's I really kind of knew that was it and so we had the conversation with Melissa like we knew you know what this is the last ride let's see how it ends so for me I was like in a pretty good spot but I really knew it like the second week of training camp I go to out to the Rams their practices down here in uh, Cali and I'm like all right I'm gonna show up the first day of pads and I'm like you know what when, once they do the acclimation stuff they're going in pads I'm gonna show up and I really know when I go to this practice, i show up at practice. I bet I lasted 12 minutes. Like I was sitting out there and I was like, you know what? Like I go hit some golf balls right now. Like I'm good. Like I'm out of here. I, I literally like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to say hello to the people I need to say hello to. And then I'm getting out of here. Like I don't even want to sit here and watch it. Like much less practice it. So I, I literally peaced out like 20 minutes into the practice and I knew then, like, that's it. Like, you, you're you done. You're ready to just talk about this game and how much it's changed your life and the passion you always will have for it. But uh, playing it is over with.
3: And how does your body feel now? How do your knees feel? I always ask big guys that question.
5: I feel pretty good. I mean, obviously, there's things like I, I'm not sitting out here trying to go do a bunch of single leg squats or something uh, for, for a bunch of reps and heavy weight. But I, I feel great. Like, do you put a bar on my back? uh, I'd be ready to go and squat and do everything else. I just, I feel good. I work out consistently. One of the things that helped me play at that age, I mean, you don't play at 40 if you're not pretty active right. is that I had really adapted a lifestyle. Like that's who I was like every day, even to this day, like this morning at 5.00 AM, I'm in my infrared sauna at 6.00 AM. I did, sa- you know, I did yoga with my instructor, you know, and then on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I train with my trainer and work out. Like I just, I that's kind of who I am. I'll always be that way, whether I'm playing or not. I mean, My schedule doesn't change much from that aspect because I just love training, not because I'm training for something. And so, um, you know, for me, it's like I feel pretty good because I'm still really active. I I try to be really cautious of conscious of like, hey, these are the things I need to do now to kind of unwind some of the things I did when I played. So I'm not lifting a bunch of weight, but I'm moving, you know, and and trying to stay that way.
4: So. So, with, uh number one, I mean, that's the best way to do it is to just continue to take care of yourself. It's also going to help you mentally too. It's going to keep you mentally strong. I, I think that's oh, like what it. working out for me, that's what's kind of helped me prolong. It just keeps me mentally all there. That's like the one thing when I get out of whack, it's like, dude, I need to go hit a gym and just release. Um, the one thing I, I saw on your Twitter, you talked about it, uh, about being in a dark place. You had seen all the, the tweet from Byron Jones and you commented on it and you talked about how, um, Thanks for the great dialogue, how everybody's responding about how they're feel, uh, their feelings and how their bodies feel and other people doing other jobs and how they say they're in pain and all these other things. You were just wondering, like, was I normal? You know, I was playing yeah. at 40 something years old. I got aches and pains. And is it from football strictly or is everybody at this age have certain aches and pains? We all hear about it from normal people as well. And I really enjoyed your dialogue. Not only that, but your responses to some of the the Twitter mentions and everybody else that responded to those things as well. I thought the open dialogue of communication was huge that, you know, so often in this world, especially football players, we're taught, you got to be tough. You got to be this. And all of a sudden, when we're all of a sudden take that armor off and we actually open up about these things, we don't feel so, you know, strength is in, uh, is in the weakness, right? When you're at your weakest, sometimes that could be your strongest because you're not alone when you see other people going through a lot, a lot of those similar things. I would like to maybe, You tell me, like, what took you to that place where you started bringing that up? And also, like, what did you learn from that experience of really just, you know, leaving your emotions all out there on Twitter and getting it out there?
5: Yeah, I think when you when you talk about the game and and the passion it takes to play it throughout my last probably I would call it my last five years, probably six years when I really when I was in my 30s, mid 30s, 34, 35. I really did sit there and be like, all right, I mean, how many homeboys I got back home that like are dealing with something or like, mm-hmm. you know, I heard, Oh yeah. I remember so-and-so had shoulders surgery and fell mm-hmm. on a basketball court or whatever it was. And I'd be like, man, am I the only person out here that's like dealing with something where I'm in this dark place where I don't know if I can get my body back to let's put some perspective on it, playing right. the most elite game in the world. Like, like, that doesn't mean that you can't like function as a person in society. Right. But Mm -hmm. in your mind, it's the only thing that matters. And so you go to these dark places because you're like, man, I can't dunk a basketball anymore. Like at some point that became a reality. Like I can't, it hurts to even try to dunk a (laughs) basketball. Right. Like, but like I could still live a normal life. It's just my perspective is I'm comparing it to playing NFL football, which is the highest of the highest level. Mm-hmm. And so I genuinely asked the question because that's literally what I thought about when I played. Like, is there other people out there that feel like this, that work jobs where you got to strain a lot? Obviously, there's not a lot of people that work in an office every day that have significant injuries, but they might have daily things if they're not taking care of their body. Mm-hmm. So to hear people's perspective on that, and and part of it was, like, it wasn't about whether I agreed or disagreed with, you know, how like the feeling is that maybe other players have about that and about their body and about their experience in the NFL – it's that there's different points of view from all of us in all walks yes. of life. Yep. And I don't care what we're talking about. We can talk about, you know, religion, racism. We can talk about injuries. We can talk about all these things. Like everyone's viewpoint is their viewpoint. And, and right. just being okay with like some people are going to come with a little steam when you bring up a subject. <laughs> and some people are going to hit you with kindness. Like, but everyone's like they're due to how they feel. But let's just talk through a little bit of how it is you feel. Like, I want to know why you feel that way, or what you actually are experiencing. And I feel like for me, it's like at first you have to do that. And like, at first people think like, Oh, you're mocking somebody, or you're trying to go after somebody, or this is yeah. a take, you know, as they call it. And it's like, nah bro, I'm just trying to talk. Like <laughs> y'all want to talk or you don't want to talk? You know, that's the but People platform, don't know how to so do
3: that though more though. That's, crazy, that's the thing though. People right? people don't know how to communicate. People don't know how to talk. It's is 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 this we we're we're on our phones right so this is this yeah. is what people know this is like the new standard nobody <laughs> knows how to communicate nobody if i do communicate with you wit i'm going to text you and yeah. then the text message that you get you read it a certain kind of way and it's like yeah. you took offense to it and i'm like wait no you're interpreting my text message yeah. wrong rather yeah. than just yeah. picking up the damn phone and just say hey this is what i meant to say this is who i am and then you can tell by the I don't know, the way my voice carries Like You know, if, if I'm mad, happy, sad, whatever. Yeah, I try to tell my kids that all. Yeah. Like, hey, you look, know, I I'll tell fuck. this all
5: the time. My wife and I had this conversation one time just about open dialogue. And she's like, we were, we were talking about something we fought over and I'm like laughing and we're making fun of each other. And she, I'm like, hey, babe, I, I just said like, we were down to like half a carton of milk. And she was like, yeah, but I heard you say you're a bad mother. You didn't put milk in the fridge for the kids. And I was like... <sighs> No, I just, I just said, we, <laughs> we need to get a new carton. Like, that's all I said. <laughs> but that like, way that's way how it over. is, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. All I said was, we need some fresh milk. That's it. Like, you just, no, no, you called me a bad mom. Like, well, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like, those things can happen that way, even sometimes when it's clear communication. Yeah. And so I just, for me, I've always taken the, the thing, like, I can't be on this, this platform. If I can't handle criticism and I can't yeah. handle compliments And I can't run with it one way or another, like, you know, and so for me, it's like, if I can stay calm and just have dialogue, then I can be on here. If it can't be like that, then it's not worth my time because my emotions being controlled by something that can be misread and misunderstood is wild to me. Like that just doesn't make sense. So I just wanted to have a conversation about it and see how people feel. And, and, and also I just hope for him, like, you know, I feel uh, wherever he is and he's at with all of that, man, just make sure you reach out and, and keep some perspective of, really the blessings you have had in the game, the toughness that is the reality that we sign Mm -hmm. up for. Um, You know, there's parts of it that, you know what, the NFL could always do better. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, I think we all can agree on that. There's policies that uh, every at every level that they could be better with. Um, But we also sign up for the job. And so uh, I think for me, it's just making sure you keep a little perspective in life and Mm -hmm. what things are like and and what everyone else goes through.
4: Yeah, and so just – all that being said, bro, I, I think the biggest thing I got out of, especially you responded to all those comments, was that vulnerability is strength, number one, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're when you able to open up and share. And I hope Byron Jones hears that as well, because his yep. vulnerability allowed you to have the strength and courage to reach out as well and just yep. like talk about it. And so that's huge yep. for me. And then I got to get on my soapbox for a minute because I tell my wife all the time, I'm just like you, bro. I'm like, look. You can't read emotions through text. So, like, I'm just asking the question here. Like, I ain't say nothing about you being a bad mom. I ain't said none of that. Like, words matter. Like, I didn't say none of that. Like, and so I said this, and then you said what you heard, which is not what I
3: said. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox. I That's why I say it. just pick up the phone or just physically <laughs> talk it, to that person because won't you won't have on. the wrong interpretation. That's yep. really what I was Just don't even text I started just, with Just come talk to me.
5: I started with now, like, hey, let me tell you what I'm not saying. <laughs> and then I'm gonna get to what I am saying. That's that's what I started with now.
3: Oh, that's I might need to use that one. That's funny. So I'm not in a dark place because I'm 42 and I can still dunk a basketball. I'm just I'm just gonna throw it out there, right? I'm, there I'm we still go. I'm still I, I I'm still dunking bowled. at 42 vertically. Peanut, no I, drop you, step I tried or to dunk
4: on my kids' eight and a half foot goal just like yesterday, and my daughter pushed me and I missed that joker. I felt so bad. I'm like, bro, I can't even get <laughs> Eight and A little half Sprite, dunk, co- right little sprite
3: commercial, right? <laughs> A little Sprite bad. commercial action. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. So um, for the most part, with, nobody really retires when they want to. Like mm-hmm. football retires you. We talked to uh, Golik about this at uh at Super Bowl, and he said, I didn't retire. Football retired. The NFL retired me. I didn't choose to retire. Yeah. I kind of didn't really want to retire when I retired. I-, I tore my ACL at 30, 34. Rome, you were still playing. You were still doing things. Yeah. Um, but you you were a little bit different, though. Like you you had this Hollywood storybook ending: oldest man in the league, or oldest lineman in the league. One uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year. You win the Super Bowl, then you choose to retire. My question is: Had you not won the Super Bowl, would you have retired?
5: You know, in, in 2018, I kind of faced that similar situation when we lost to the Patriots in, in yeah. the sense that people kept asking me, will you retire? And that was really a moment where I was like, I, I don't – I mean, I never even thought about retiring. I mean, I've always wanted to chase it. I mean, I think Jared – I actually saw Jared Goff a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were telling that story when we landed from Atlanta. Lost in the Super Bowl on on Sunday, fly home the next day as a team, land in the, from Atlanta – And just who I was and how I just love to push myself into crazy ways. I put my headset on and uh, put on my music. And as soon as we pulled up to the facility on our team bus, like I started walking, doing a little walk jog around the field. Like because I was like day one starts right now. We already had a long season. Like if I'm going to keep playing at my age, I got to get moving. And so the guys are getting in their cars, like ending the season and I'm out there running on the field. And it's like that's what my mentality was, but this one was totally different. When I walked into week one against the Arizona Cardinals of the playoffs, um, I had already known this is it. this is the last ride, hmm. and uh you know what? you know, remember what a blessing it has been to play this game. It's not a burden because at times sometimes it can feel that way,
0: right. but it's
5: it's a blessing to play this game, and so I took that attitude, and uh, I'll never forget calling it up for that game when we were going to walk out the tunnel. And, you know, there were things I wanted to say. There's things you want to talk about when it's football season to be fired up. But there's things I want to make sure my guys heard. And it was yeah. one that this game, you know, has blessed and changed a lot of our lives. Uh, and uh, remember that. And then also remember, you are in the most elite percentile in the world, man. So anybody that tells you anything you can't do, uh, that's literally what we broke it down to when we walked out that tunnel. Anybody that tells you anything you can't do in life, and I don't care what it is on this field or off of it, every single one of you. Are special men and special people. And that's why you're standing where you are. Uh, I'll never forget us breaking it down to that. And it it was just a purpose. Like, this is the last run. I know how playoff games go when you lose them. Everybody scatters. Uh, I want you guys to make sure, you know, I love you. And that you are special. And don't you let anybody ever tell you anything different.
3: Yeah. A man's life. or What his thoughts make of it? I love it. Another great quote by Peanut Tillman. Hey, man, I love quotes. quotes, quotes,
4: (laughs) quotes, No, um, Whitman, uh, clearly you are a great leader and you grew into those leadership roles as you continue to play more, get more reps. And uh, clearly as the oldest lineman in the league at the end, you are definitely uh, a great leader. And I, you told a story about, um, about Derek Barnes, mm-hmm. about how you impacted his life. I read nor- another story about when you were Joe Burrow were rehabbing in the offseason, how you guys became great buddies as well. I mean, like, hold on. They were hanging out on each other's birthdays. I mean, that's gotta be nice. And so at what point in your career did you begin to develop these uh, leadership skills or qualities and uh when did you start to notice that you know what i i think i am becoming this leader and cuz you don't actually I, i'm sure most people don't try and aim to be the leader it just kind of falls right. on you no i
3: think some people aim it you don't you you do it naturally though it just yeah. it's natural <laughs> for you and you can tell yeah
5: yeah, I think for me, I realized at a younger age, probably when I got into college, and then right my first couple of years in the league, that I had a special ability to pull people one direction or the other. And mm-hmm. I realized that just naturally who I was, um, I I was a magnet. And and so if I wanted to go the wrong way, I could take people that way. And if I want to go the right way, I could. And I needed to make a conscious decision of who it is I wanted to be. And so I think at some point, like after I met Melissa and and we really kind of uh, hit it off and are, are people who are wound in the same way mentally of what we want to do in life and what's important to us. I knew who I wanted to be in, in the sense of not becoming a leader, but I knew the man I wanted to be. And as I always have told every one of the guys that I've had a chance to be in a locker room with, is regardless of the you know title that football gives you or the or platform it gives you, you're a man before you're anything else. And you need to decide who that is. And so uh, that's where we start. And so for me, it's always been about I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do one like peanut. You can teach what you know, but you'll only ever reproduce who you are. And mm. so I, for me, it was like, I'm not going to talk to guys about leadership or talk to them about why I'm a leader. I'm going to show them who I am and the ones that want that in their life will follow. And And you know what, if they see it and they believe it and they trust you, I think that like we just talked about vulnerability and trust that happens at different times for everybody. Yeah, You know, and men and women, you know, are around you enough, they like eventually they put their guard down and say, you know what, you're, you're somebody that showed me that you're trustable and that you'll truly like have good intentions. And so I think for me, it was just continuing to work on who I am and be the best version of who I can be. And if people want to follow that um, and they ask for help or they want my leadership, I'll be there for them. And, and I've always said leadership to me is about the ability To want people to stand side by side with you and walk through a door like they like I don't know what's on the other side of the door, but this is the dude I want to walk through the door with and and so uh, I don't need them to command me I don't need them to tell me how to do things. I want to stand right beside them. And and I think to me that like the innate ability to be able to do that is special and, and I've never taken that for granted
3: strength is for service not status and I try to use my platform to to help people and Considering what happened to my daughter back in 08 with a heart transplant, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to help somebody out and just be kind, show true kindness to people. And it's it's helped me tremendously to help people that I don't know. That's probably like one of the greatest joys in life is helping someone you don't know and not really wanting anything in return. Now, you and your family are the true living testament of of what that is helping out people and then loving yourself as your neighbor um what are you trying to convey and show your kids just with the the, the kind of man and, and and the kind of wife that you have what's what's that message that you're trying to show your kids
5: i think for us it's um you know what you know you're going to fail you're going to mess yeah. up um you're going to have bad days uh, but i call it constant daily pursuit and the reason i say that is that uh It's one thing to pursue something daily, but to constantly choose to pursue it daily to me is a difference. So I call it every day I'm on a constant daily pursuit of a better version of myself. And in that, accept my failures, accept my successes. And the next morning, I wake up the same way with the same process uh, to find a better version. And I think for us, it's about everything starts at our dinner table. And uh, my kids will know to love people regardless of where they come from, what they look like, uh, what mm-hmm. they expect from them. They'll love them because they love them, not because mm-hmm. of anything else. And um, they're going to want to make a difference because that's going to be a passion of theirs. And so we we try to make sure that anything we do, even if they can't participate, they come and they see it and they have a visualization of it. And, you know, I've walked uh, Skid Row with the kids, you know, and and I've walked, you know, many different places where it's like, I want you to see that people don't live the same way you live. And you've been mm-hmm. very blessed and you're going to have to understand that at times that's going to be a burden for you because Mm -hmm. you're not going to have the grit and the toughness that other people have had to strive through. So you're going to have to be aware of it and you're going to have Mm -hmm. to acknowledge it and be willing to accept it and come from a place of like, you know what, that is who I am. And I did grow up this way, but uh, how can I be a part of a solution? How can I be a part of helping people and and always being willing to be in that mindset? I think that's the thing I've been most proud of. When people say, what's your proudest thing Uh, for me right now, it's my kids hearts for other people. Um, some of the biggest things we've done in LA, uh, whether it be with homelessness or different things were actually ideas that my kids came up with and mm. things they wanted to do. And I just kind of found a way to put them into action. And so, um, that, that to me is where it's really important is I want my kids to understand we need to have those conversations at our dinner table yeah. and you need to feel open and free to ask anything you want to ask. And, and if it's a tough combo, it'll be a tough combo, but, uh, I want you to have a full transparency on what life's all about. And um, you know what to me, that'll be my proudest moment if, if they, you know, grow up to be the kind of people that uh they hope to be and that obviously my you know their mother and I hope they'll be.
3: It's, it's it gets better when they get older. I have a seventeen year old and we I remember taking her on her college trip to to Howard. Hopefully I want her to go to Howard, but it's this
4: that He wants that back.
3: I do, I do. It's like <laughs> a different world. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I feel like when I when I took her there, but seeing my daughter at 17 and what her mom and I are teaching her or have taught her, I only got another year with her before I, I, she's out and she, you know, she leaves the nest. So it's, it's funny that you say that because Rome's got four kids. I have four kids. You got four kids too, right?
4: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
3: And just, and they're all so different, but you're trying to, plant seeds in them to be open-minded and to care for people to love for people. So yeah, it gets, it, it, it gets better. The older that they're getting, man, it's, oh man, I, you're, you're going to have a blast. At 17, I'm loving being a girl dad. It's, it's one of, it's like the best job ever being, being a, being a girl dad. I love it, but we'll get back into that. We'll tell more stories about our kids right now. We got to pay some bills. So y'all hold on for about 30 seconds. We'll be right back.
4: All right, we have my man Andrew Whitworth right here. Tons of accolades. I mean, I still got one in my back pocket that I'm gonna wait till the end to throw out. I wanna know if he knows this last nugget that I found out about this young man. <laughs> um, all right, so Whit, I love to ask this question because I have my own unique experience and everybody uh, on this podcast does and hopefully some listeners do, too, do as well. But what was your first welcome to the NFL moment? You're like, whoa, okay,
0: this is the league.
2: Visit livenation.com nation.com slash concert week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two door cinema club. Uh,
5: I think I had multiple of them. I'm playing in Cincinnati in 2006. Uh, we, we had an interesting team. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, there's some wild characters in that, in that locker room. So I, I had a lot of them, everybody from Ocho and uh, Hoosh and, and uh, Dexter Jackson. And, you know, I, I mean, Lord, we, we had guys from everywhere, but uh, you know I, I met some really cool guys realized I was no longer in the SEC anymore and uh, it was a totally different world but I think my like on the field moment mm-hmm. was uh, Carolina Panthers my rookie year uh, as my first start as a left tackle in the NFL I think it was week five Peppers. Uh, played Peppers and Mike Rucker and uh, Mike Rucker and Julius Peppers at that time I think like you know the last four years had like 80 something sacks is the most by a duo you know in the league at that time and I had a play like late in the game. We're beating them. And I, I, I don't know, we'll call it lucky. Just I'm going to try and be nice because Mike calls me out. So I, I, I pancake Mike Rucker and I stood up and I'm just like, I'm feeling good. So I talk some smack. We call the next play the same play. And I realized real quick what it was like to be a veteran in the NFL and they know exactly what's coming. And he literally just ejects me into the running back like tackles him in the backfield, super embarrassing. And I'm literally just like, all right, man, I'm going to learn. Just I'm going to hold on a little bit. Like, you know, I had one good play. I kind of lost my tongue a little bit and uh, Mike put me in my place. And I realized that I was, I was dealing with grown men. So uh, you know what? I found that out
3: real fast. So when you play sports uh, typically, uh, I don't know, six, seven, 300 plus pounds, you all, to me, you, you look like you're always a big kid. So they automatically just like, oh, Whitworth. Yeah. Big kid. Put them offensive line. Yep, You get chosen or they just put you in a position. If you could have picked a position to play, regardless of your size, what position would it have been?
5: I think growing up, I always thought I was going to be a tight end or defensive end. I mean, I told you I loved basketball. That's actually what I played up until my senior year in high school. Um, I always thought of myself as being a tight end. Um, I I thought I'd be that. And then I I kind of, you know, like Mike Zimmer would say, I always had like a defensive mentality for an O-lineman. I loved like effort and running and just chasing people down and stuff like um, you know, it's bad because it's an interception, but I used to love when well, we threw an interception, like I want to be the one to get over there and make a tackle and be in the, be in the mix, right? <laughs> you a so, little the punch in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, had none of that. I tried that one time. But, uh, you know, that was like my mindset. But, you know, what's funny is like how I chose my college. I was an LSU – I was a Louisiana kid, but I never really wanted to go to LSU. I always wanted to go to Florida because um, Spurrier had like a lot of big tight ends and, you know, yeah. back Fred Taylor and all them cats. So that's where I yeah. wanted to go. And every college recruited me that way. Like, hey, man, you you know, uh, Jason Peters was at Arkansas. You had a lot of big yep. tight end college football. And then I, uh, Nick Saban gets hired by LSU my senior year in, in high school. And he walks in the door and it's like, you're not going to be a tight end. You, as soon as you give in to being a left tackle, you're going to have an unbelievable career. And I was like, man, I respect the heck out of this guy. Like, he just told me what I didn't want to hear. And then at the same time told me what I was going to accomplish. Yeah. And so I, I like for me that just flipped the switch. And then the next day I called Florida and told him I wasn't coming there and I was gonna become an LSU Tiger and the rest is history.
4: But you, I was gotta, shocked that you wore number eighty nine. I'm like Whitworth where played was number eighty nine in high school. You wore eighty nine so the whole I was time. Eighty
5: nine right? as a sophomore. That was my uh-huh. sophomore year, first time playing. Then yep. ninety nine as ninety nine as a junior because I played defense too. Yep. And then uh I went to seven when they finally moved me to offensive line my senior year, seventy four. So yeah, that was my that was my ending. But uh, got another club, one. one. for one. Yeah, there's another one. Come on now. Yo, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh we play that. Oh yeah, oh, play that. You?
3: Play that next one.
6: And now another penalty gives the Bengals great field position. Donatenco lead blocker instead. The pass out here to the tackle eligible on Andrew Whitworth for the touchdown. Nicely done by the Cincinnati Bengals who get on the board first.
5: Oh yeah, come on! Hey, you gotta make sure you you notice who was supposed to be covering me on that play. That's my dog right there, <laughs> Ryan Clark, LSU brother. Uh, you know, I never let him live that down. I remind him, you know, at least every couple of years uh, about me being open in the end zone right there. So that, that was that was a cool threw moment a little actually.
3: Bit, though you kind of threw. Yeah, me. that was
5: my that was my birthday, and my wife was expecting our twins. That was our first kids um We ended up having them in February, but that was actually on my birthday, first drive of the game. I think what's cool about that one—I haven't done the research yet. I'd love to know that was the only offensive touchdown scored in that game. Oh wow! So I'd love to know how many NFL games an offensive lineman's been the only offensive touchdown scored in a game.
3: I probably would say none. I'm gonna just throw. Here we go!
5: Come on, baby, let's go! I gotta <laughs> find go. it out. This is- you, 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 I'm just you trying to get a plaque. plaque. For, I'm just trying to get another plaque for my wall for podcasts. Yeah, you're, something you're, you, put up there.
3: You, you own that one all day, boss. That's, 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 you, all day. that's uh, you all day. That's
4: so good. All right. Here's another one. So we did a little bit deeper research, too, as well. You told us that, and this is on your Twitter again. All right, your top three old school hip hop artists. And when I saw this, Ooh, I yeah. was literally like, tell him, tell, show me you from Louisiana without telling you from Louisiana. And this is it right here. You have a screenshot of your top three old school rappers are Notorious B.I.G., which everybody loved at the time. And you're more East Coast, which I get because you're in Louisiana. You didn't, weren't on Tupac. You're on the Biggie. And then Mystical and Master P. which here I go. Here I had. I said all he needed was Silk the Shocker, bro, and we were complete. Oh oh that Come was on. it. That was it for me, too.
5: Yes. Hey, look, I, you know what? I, I get OD. That was the first, I think that was the first uh, CD. Like I actually went to the store and bought myself yes. <laughs> uh, in high school. I remember as a freshman with my own money. Uh, so, you know what? That was my freshman year, I believe, or eighth grade year. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I grew up on Master P and those guys.
3: <laughs> well, that was, that everyone it. did break them off. something? Oh, I was my in, God. I was in Lafayette in what? ninety ninety 2000. Yeah. When, yeah. when, when the hot boys was, was yeah. hot. Like, like whole, you know you really mess era. people
5: up down in Louisiana is my freshman year in college is, is screwed, right? Like So I I, I I start playing that stuff a lot. Yeah, and guys are like, what in the crap is this? I'm like, <laughs>
3: That's, bro, June, June 27th? Like, come on, hey, bro. You, you own I-10. You go 10 west to 10 east and you're driving either way. You put June 27th on and it will <laughs> go for about 20. You know, it's, it's about 35 minutes of freestyling, bro. Bro, <laughs> man, you it. heard it, right?
5: But I,
4: I, I had a couple of Texas teammates, so i never heard screw in Alabama until Texas oh guys came gosh. in. I was like, what is this? They're like, oh, it's screw. Like, it's everything chopped and screw." So I'm
3: I'm from Texas, and that's literally from eighth grade, whatever. Once I learned about it, you know what I'm saying, the H-Town, the north side of uh, uh, Houston, man, that was – I could play it right now, but I know we don't have the, the license to play, it, so they're going to uh, bleep it out, but – I, I think I like you that much more now because you just said you all about June
5: 27th. Oh come on, man!
3: Oh my god! I a got it all. Jumper. I got the I got the oh slow jams. Yes. I got all the slow jams. They're, they're called F actions. I got them all, baby. Come on! Yes. They're called F actions. S U C screwed up. Click big mo. You don't have. You don't have Adina Howard. If you don't zero, have Adina Howard, t yes. yes. shirt up and Panties. And Oh yes, come on! Man. That's the best god, song in America. T-shirt and my panties on. Yeah, yeah. You t you guys are t-shirt, really telling You oh really tell on yourselves. You're, I'm this telling you that you're really yo, telling on yourselves. This song, these oh my god, this is you. You're my new best friend. I think we <laughs> yep. just became best. Did we just become best friends right now?
5: We we just became best friends right now. <laughs>
3: oh, my God. This is like our, our stepbrothers moment. That is so dope. I don't even know what the next question I was going to ask because we started talking about screwing. I just got so excited. That's dope. So, um oh, yeah, yeah. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. We asked a lot of the uh, the guests on this show, um if you could pick four, only four people, to pick or put on your Mount Rushmore, who would those people be? It doesn't have to be all athletics. It's just, just in life. life. Incapul- somebody who has some influence, someone that you yep. love, somebody that was a mentor. Uh, oh man, you it's it's only get it's four. only
5: four. That's it's tough. tough. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna, I am going to stick. I going to. Here's the thing. All right, it's what I. This I'm going to make it complicated because I'm complicated. <laughs> so it's just like food. It's like music. It's like anything else.
6: Wait, you I only get
5: four. I don't like. I don't like to disrespect people when I talking about a certain genre of things. So I want to make my own genre of Mountain Rushmore. I'm going to cheat. So my Mount Rushmore of sports. All right. My Mount Rushmore of sports. I'm going to put up Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Wayne Gretzky, mm-hmm. This might as well be what was the little show when we were kids on uh, USA uh, uh, All Stars. Yeah, yeah All Stars. It was Bo well Jackson. That, and,
4: yeah, Wayne. Gretzky. Might as well be All
5: Stars right now. <laughs> uh, so I'm going Michael Jordan, Gretzky, Tiger Woods, and I think for me, just because I grew up like I said where I did, I was a massive fan of this guy, Nolan Ryan. Oh, yeah. mm. Because I'm gonna tell you why, Fox. man. Nolan Ryan was not only an awesome pitcher, but I was actually at the game. When he whooped Robin Ventura, when he charged the mound, my dad took me out. I always wanted wanted to see him play. Yeah, and I was actually in the stands. That's Uh, you know he was he was he was a baseball player that was a tough guy too at the same time. So that's that's the only reason he's on there. That's it, just because for me, my my world uh, as a little kid, I don't know how old I was then, but uh, watching him, I thought he was man, just unbelievable. So I put him on there just for after sports. That's my one, my 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 one guy. Plenty of guys probably deserve it more, but he's my guy.
4: Like it. I like okay. it. Okay. All right. With before we get you out of here, I gotta have you. I'm gonna hit you with one one quick question. You gotta maybe just tell me this, because I don't know this. Peanut I asked Peanut this earlier. Peanut and I have never been ejected out of a game. I must know with what did you do to get ejected out of the game versus the Oakland Raiders the one time it happened?
3: Twice. You were too nice. To oh be you have been ejected twice? <laughs> twice. Then,
5: uh,
4: oh wow, two.
5: I got, uh, in 2008, we were 0-8. Uh, oh, that'll do it. Uh, that'll yeah, do it. We, we played the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and the it. Saturday, the Saturday before the game, I, I finally just reached that point in your career where yeah. you, you lost it. And I was like, lit our, lit our offense up lost during the walkthrough through on Saturday because I was like, man, I'm just, I'm done with it. Like, I'm done with how, like, you guys are just okay with losing. We're okay with yeah. getting our face kicked in. Like, yeah. I'm done with it. Like, i have never in my life been somebody who was somebody's, you know what? And I was like, I just, it ain't going to happen anymore. And so we go out in the game, we're up in the game and Chad, like me and Chad and TJ, like they finally, like we're having a good moment, they're having a good day and they start chewing at the D line for the Jaguars and it turns into, you know, everybody's at each other's throats and I'm facing big, bad John, John Henderson, John six Henderson? nine six nine and 390 pounds, whatever the heck he was. He's a monster. He made me look small and we got after it. Like, we started getting into it, and the next thing you know, we snapped a play, and me and him just started throwing. And we ripped each other's helmets off. We fight all the way across the field. Both get ejected, but as I'm leaving the field, I guess Cincinnati have anything else to cheer about. They're chanting my name as I'm leaving, and I'm like, there's actually a picture. I'm, like, pointing at my jersey, leaving the field. And I'll never forget, after that moment, like, I was in the tunnel. I waited for the guys, and, like, I was the captain of the Cincinnati Bengals from that moment on. Like that was oh. that was it. That was the moment. Like you uh TJ Husmanzada gave me a hug and he's like, Man, you said stuff yesterday and you backed it up today. And that's like the greatest respect I could give you. And uh so after that moment, that's what it was. And then the the Oakland one was uh Lamar Houston, I think, sacked Andy on like a dead play, like one of those where, you know, they blow it dead and then yeah. he still went through with the sack and kind of like suplexed Andy. And so I ran over there to like shove him. And it's kind of was, that one was really less of a fight and more of a I, I mean, shoved man, him. One. They had a veteran D-line. Yeah. And their veteran D-line attacked. And it was like me and all their D-line. The best part <laughs> of that story is if we get kicked out, is that's when the Cincinnati Bengals young because they had a young offensive line at that time. They found uh-huh. out who Melissa Whitworth was because she stood in the tunnel. And my wife ain't going on no Twitter if she got a problem with somebody. She coming face-to-face. She stood in the tunnel and waited for everyone. And they'll tell you, every one of these young linemen, like you, like you. Next time my husband and I fight, you better jump in that pile. Like, man, she was lighting them up. It was hilarious, and only the way she can. Uh, She loves some football, and she's got some fire to her too. So she was letting them young guys know, like that ain't how you do it. Like you always have. You you get in there. You know they were the nervous. They were all like standing, like looking, like yeah, yeah. Do we not like? They were nervous guys, but uh, you know what? It was, it, was a, it was a fun day because it, it's a cool memory for her and those guys because they love her and grew to love her, and uh, they always appreciate that moment. She checked them a little bit. You that's know what? Cool. That is a
4: very teachable moment right there, and that's what we do on this podcast here. I'm going to teach you one guys one more thing, and we're going to let uh, Whitworth get up out of here. So, Whit, did you know that you are second in all time in the NCAA as far in Division One in career starts? I didn't know that. Yes, you have 52 career starts in your career in, D- in D1 football. That is second all time to only Derek Strait, who had 53 cornerback at Oklahoma. So I'm glad I got to teach you something today as well, young Appreciate
5: man. Appreciate it. So there Appreciate we go.
4: That. No doubt, man. No doubt, man. Thank you, Wit, for blessing us with your time coming on here, man. You're just as cool as the other side of the pillow, man, the same way it was the very first time I actually got to meet you. Um Back all the way back when, when we were in college. So, man, I appreciate you for being who you are. Continue to be that light, man. And uh, we all will shine as long as we're around people like you. So thank you for that.
5: Hey, I appreciate yeah, it, fellas. Thanks for the honor to be on here show. with you.
4: No doubt, yeah, man. All right, well, look, let me, uh, let me, let me get us up out of here. So all of our listeners, I want to make sure I thank all of our listeners for always tuning in. Also, I want to ask you to hit review, give us a follow. Continue to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend anywhere you pick up your uh, or you listen to your podcast, whether it's iHeartRadio or the Apple podcast app. Thank you so much. Continue to listen to us and we'll see you next time. Peace.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.